funny, I, I think of uh, the, just the, the name of this series, Waiting In, right? You know, Waiting In Hope, Peace, Joy, Love. And I, I just think about what, uh, I mean, some of you guys do know, because I think Justin's done a pretty good job at telling the church kind of like the journey a little bit. But to be really honest, once we decided to kind of do this, which has been a few months now, um, I feel like uh, it's been a waiting game. I mean, really, we've been just waiting for things to come together. Right? We can physically do, I mean, it didn't matter how much, uh, you know, within reason, how much money we came up with or how much uh, energy we put into trying to connect with a house situation or whatever. It just seemed like God wanted us to wait on him in so many ways. And so I experienced um, bits and pieces of hope, joy, peace, and love in that time. And, uh, and it just made me like really think about it like this. Yes, we're talking about Jesus, you know, uh, coming as a baby first off. That's what Advent is all about. But then also the second coming, which is kind of more what we're waiting for now. And it is a picture of that. That's what, Ad that's why we still celebrate Advent is not because we think, you know, a little baby Messiah is going to come again. We don't think that, but he's going to come, you know, on a white horse and he's going to be, it's going to be awesome, right? Um, it's going to be a far different of a scenario, but that waiting still exists. And um, I think that we have to be in the waiting. That is actually part of being a Christian is finding our place in the waiting because things are not going, it's, you know, he did not give us a time. He, he, you know, even Jesus said, you know, only the Father knows the time and the, and, and the you know, yeah, whatever. So you guys get what I'm saying. So let's uh, let's read the scripture that we have for today. And it's very short, but we do have a couple other scriptures. So definitely keep your Bible available. Um, and it'll be up here, too, if you really don't have your Bible. Um, it says in Jude 1, 21, I'm using the ESV. If you have your phone, you want to switch to that. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. We're going to look at four different pieces of this scripture. We're going to look at keep yourselves. We're going to look at in the love of God. We're going to look at waiting. Okay. And then we're going to look at what does the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life looks like. So let's look at keep yourselves first. You know, the, the basic understanding of keep yourselves is to remain or to stay. Okay, that's what we would use in our, our modern English, remain or stay. Um, another word that's used all throughout the scripture is going to be the word abide. Okay, it's very similar. Um, and, but I like to focus on um, just kind of what we, the language we use to, in this day. I, I would never say um, abide at home while I'm uh, going to the grocery store. I would never say that, right? So, um, but I, I might say stay home. It's cool. Just stay home. I'll go to, you know, the store, whatever. So remain or stay in. Love is a place to reside. Love is a place to reside. That's what this thing is saying. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Reside, remain, stay. I like the word reside because that's where you are going to live. I want, he wants you to live in the love of God. And I wrote down, love is a place to reside, not a power you possess without God. See, we have a world 
And I'm not gonna say look around you, but we can look around, you know? We have a world where we've defined what love is, okay? You know, we have a place where, you know, all wolves are welcome, you know? We have, we have a, a, a situation here where um, love has um, become something separate of God. Actually, when people use the word love out in the world, that is not the love that we're talking about that God talks about. That is not the love that we've been called to live. And so, yes, it, it's a weird thing because, and I don't want to, certainly I hate politics, so I'm not going to get political, but I'm going to say a few things that might be a little jarring just for fun, okay? Um, but whatever, okay? There's this understanding of, of, of marriage, right? This, this definition of marriage that exists in, in the United States right now. And I want to tell you that the definition is not the same definition as God's marriage definition. They've adopted that word. You can even say they stole that word because it's a great word. Because of what it represents is people who do not leave each other for the whole for their whole life. They they wait together. They live together. They abide together forever. Uh, well, until you know one dies and they go to heaven and you know the whole thing. But you got you got. Get what I'm saying, 40, 50, 60. There are people who have been married up to 60, 70 years. I mean, I was married when I was 18, and if I am 88 when I die, I will be married for 70 years. That is ridiculous, right? I haven't been yet, so you can't get that excited, you know. But uh, um, I have hope for that, okay? Um, but the reality is, is that marriage is a long time. It's multiple lifetimes, multiple lifetimes. Um, in, in our, you know, like when it comes to generations, multiple generations, that's what I want to say. So here's the deal. Marriage has been defined differently, right? But I want you to know that they have also adopted but stole the word love as well. And that's why when you drive around, you see love is love, right? You see signs that actually just try to make you feel like, hey, you should be guilty if you do not think that this is love. And here's the deal. I've actually gotten to the point where, you know, um, I work with a lot of people that are in that kind of lifestyle, being in the music industry. And we are friends and it's we're going to live our life together. And it's it's interesting, you know, um, because it's interesting because when they use the word love, I've had to just give it to them. I've had to give it to them because what I don't want them to think is that their version of love is not their version of love because it is, but it isn't God's version of love. And that's the difference. And as church people, as people that, that, that want to um, be an expression of Jesus in this world, we have to use the word love and use the word marriage. But we're not focusing on marriage. We need to use the word love the way that God intended love. And we will look into that a little bit more. But um, again, love is a place to reside, not a power you possess without God. So anybody without God does not have the same love. They've defined another love. They've created another love. And yes, it mirrors similar to the Antichrist being, uh, by the way, Antichrist does not mean against Christ. It just means in replacement of Christ. So it's sort of like an anti-love. It's a replacement of love. They've created another one, replaced it. And for me, I'm like, whatever, have it, 
okay? Have your version of love. I wish we could like change it to L-U-V or something and change marriage to something else, you know? Just so that we can have our word, they can have their word. And then over time, they're going to realize that their word falls short because it's not rooted in God, right? Our words are rooted in God because they were created. And of course, it's not just about words. The word love has, met, there's many different words in the Bible that actually express the word love. And that's why our love, God's love, is so much more than just some version of love that they've created, right? So again, Love is a place to reside, not a power you possess without God. You cannot possess it without God, only in another version. And then you have the ability to stay in the love of God, but you need to stay in to be able to wield it, okay? So that's one of the things that it's saying. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of your Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. You can... Love can be a part of your life. You can accurately portray love, but the only way you do that is by staying in the love of God. Because it's the love of God that overwhelms you and consumes you and allows you to be a version or a, uh, a picture of that into the world. And as you guys know, when you have kids, you guys have kids, a lot of you guys do, um, the reality is with, with kids is you love your kids. But does that mean that you show them what you would consider love all the time? You actually have to show them a little bit of pain sometimes. Okay, let's just be honest. You have to, you know, maybe it's not in physical spanking. I don't know where everybody lands on that, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, but either way, you're going to take away their video games. You're going to take away whatever. And by the way, that is not the world's version of love. The world's version of love is let them play as long as they want. No problem. Let them watch everything they want to on YouTube and whatever. Let them search around and experiment on the internet. That's what love of the world is. That's what they have defined it to be. But the way that we have defined it as believers is we know that if we truly love our kids, we have to... We have to show them God's love. And God's love is correction. God's love is keeping them in. There is a place that, it, that they're supposed to be. And that's supposed to be in the love of God. Okay, let's look at the word love of God. Let's look at that little section. Um, so this applies to today just as much as it did 2,000 years ago. Approaching Jesus' birth. Just like we are told here in Jude, the Jews were supposed to keep themselves in the love of God as they waited for Jesus. That was also something they were supposed to do. The difference is, and the problem, is that they defined the love of God or anything of God as the law of God. That's the problem, is they did a great job, kind of a great job, of abiding in the law of God. Okay, they, 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 um, and I will say this, they did not do a great job because they failed it. And that's why Jesus has to die for their sins and all that kind of stuff. But they did a really good job at making people feel like they had to be in the law of God. That's why there was so much shame back then. That's why people would still get stoned if they cheated on their wife or cheated on their husband or whatever. You know, that's why things like that would happen is because there was commandments and many more than just the Ten Commandments that most of us have somewhat memorized. 
There's many more, and actually a ton of man versions of those cre were created in the midst of all that. And so by the time you get to the time when Jesus shows up, or right before Jesus shows up, that place was not just trying to live the Ten Commandments or maybe the other ones that are in, you know, Leviticus and Numbers and all that stuff, but there, there's actually now a ton of man ones that they've created that has um, hindered them from actually seeing the love of God, but actually they just are pounded to the ground with the law, okay? And so whenever they thought the love of God, they thought, oh, the love of God is the things that I can't do. The only way for me to stay with him is whether I don't do the things that I'm said that I'm or told that I'm not supposed to do. That's that's literally it. And if you think about it as kids, we can kind of feel this way when we were kids, because, you know, there are things that our parents didn't want us to say. My parents said I couldn't use the word but. You and didn't I, like butt. You wanted me to say booty. And okay? now you're preaching it. That was a big deal. Um, it was a really big deal. Way bigger than even. I mean, I watched all kinds of movies with much worse language alongside my dad, and for some reason, I couldn't say butt. And I'm just gonna throw that out there. But here's the point. I get to mess with my parents because they're here. Um, but the, the, the point is, is that we have these rules that we've kind of created. And we're trying to do our best as parents. We create these rules. And these rules ultimately are because we want to keep them on the straight and narrow and all that kind of stuff. God had awesome laws that were put in place. But then they created all these other ones that were kind of ridiculous. Like but. Okay? Those kinds of things. Right? Um, so anyway... That's the thing about the love of God that they were, they were living. They were living only the law. And so here's the thing. What's awesome is that we now have experienced something that's brand new. When Jesus came onto this earth, he lived a perfect lawful life. He was absolutely able to 100% nail the laws. Nail it 100%. There was nothing he messed up. Okay? He called them on their gray areas, okay? That didn't mean that there are times in the Bible where, you know, when they say, well, can you, you know, on a Sabbath, can you heal somebody or whatever? They tried to make this big deal, but he's like, yeah, but that's not actually the law that I said or that, they, yeah. that my father said or whatever, right? That's not actually it. The, you created this. You've made this into a, a thing, but that's not really it. So those are the only times you really ever see him kind of making people mad and breaking something, kind of, is when he's calling them on the ones they've created themselves, right? And so Jesus lived a perfect life. This is the gospel, by the way. He lived a perfect life because you cannot, you cannot, they could not, for thousands of years, they could not live a perfect life. Mm. Why they sacrificed a lamb, why they did all of those Alter things that they would do is because they knew that Jesus would come one day to pay for all of the sins that they've done. Mm -hmm. See, they didn't have an alternative. That actually sacrificing a lamb was not an alternative. It was a picture of what's to come. When I think of the word waiting, I think of how long these people have been literally Sacrificing a lamb going, one day this will actually happen in an embodied person to save us. And 
They were waiting for thousands of years. Now, you, you fast forward all the way up from the Old Testament to the New Testament, right before Jesus is going to come. Don't get me wrong. Eventually, you start waiting so long that you're kind of like, whatever. We've created all these other rules. Now we've created this control hierarchy kind of like church experience, you know, that, that they had um, with, you know, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and people who were in charge that lived these bougie lives that, you know, uh, much like some pastors and churches even in America and around the world um, to some degree where they create this thing. And they're like, well, you know, I'm OK with Jesus not coming for a really long time because I'm living an awesome life right now. Um, there's a great uh, we make fun of it a little bit and whatever, but there's there's a there's a book that says live your best life ever or whatever that is now. Now, that's what it is. Live your best life now. That is uh, there's a famous pastor out there. And I'm not going to call him out, but he literally the whole book is based on him writing a letter uh, or writing this this book about you figuring out how to live your life. Awesome. In this life. And uh, and he misses out on so much of, you know, unfortunately, the persecution, the uh, sacrifice that you're going to have to do as a believer. And I don't know about you guys, but we live in a place. Um, I've the last couple of years lived in Tri-Cities, which is on the other side of the mountains. And don't get me wrong. It's a little bit of a um, bubble of Christianity and a bubble of um, very right leaning people which I'm just as annoyed of as the, uh, the very left-leaning, to be really honest. But, uh, but it's a bubble over there, nonetheless, so I didn't have to experience as much of stuff that you have the last couple of years. But I will tell you that, um, that in general, our world and our um, state uh, specifically has had to deal with a lot of really crazy, weird laws that have been passed. A lot of, you know, even with this weird thing about abortion being illegal or illegal now, kind of, now all of a sudden our state has become, it's like made it the best state for the people that want abortions, right? It's like everybody wants to, it's like where every, where it probably was better for a lot of places in the world or in the United States, for us, it actually made it even more intense. Um, I have a, 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 my wife has a cousin. Uh, she is in charge of the pregnancy, um, what is yeah. it? Center. Center. Yeah, I don't remember the name of that one, but Her it's name. in Olympia, like literally right downtown Olympia. That's, she's in charge of that. And she has had, ever since that law passed, uh, they, or it was overturned, I guess, they actually um, have had the worst time. Broken windows, people graffitiing everywhere, death threats, everything, you know? So it's interesting because um, we live in a place where even when something we would consider maybe a law that was, you know, changed and like, I, I, I mean, I think most of us in here, and again, I, I'm probably more political than I'll ever be, but they, most of us here would probably not desire abortions to happen, okay? So I think most of us are going to go, thank God, you know, to some degree, we're going to say, thank God that that would change, but we don't, they don't realize, everybody doesn't realize how now we just got our butt kicked. Now we're going to even have more persecution here. So I just want you guys to know that you don't get to live your best life now because your best life is in heaven. It's void of all of this junk that we're experiencing. It's void of it. And it's very similar to what they were experiencing. They were not experiencing the real love of God back then. They were experiencing 
a law of God. And although God wanted them to see the love in the law, they didn't. And so I, what I did is I wanted to compare what has happened now that Jesus lived a perfect life and then eventually, um, 30 some years old, he goes and he sacrifices himself and pays for all of your sins and all of their sins and everybody who has dedicated their lives to want to know Jesus and to live and to abide or to remain and stay in him, okay? And this is what has happened and this is why it's so exciting. This is why uh, experiencing uh, even Advent and looking at the specifically the love, waiting in love, is we get to realize that we are actually waiting in love and we don't have to live the life of the law. We get to celebrate the fact that Jesus died on the cross, um, even when we're celebrating his birth during Christmas. Um, and so I, I looked at a comparison of the law. The law is transactional. Mm. You do something and you get to not go to jail or you get to not die and get stoned. Okay, transactional. Christ's love is given without debt. Mm, there good. is no transaction needed. If anybody here has not said yes to Jesus because you're like on the fence and you're not sure, I want you to know that there's nothing. He doesn't ask anything of you for you to be saved. Mm. He wants you to abide and stay in the love, but who doesn't want to do that? Mm. Who doesn't want to be at the, at the feet of the author of love, right? So the law is transactional. Christ's love is given without debt. Number two, the law is comparable or judgmental. So what I mean by that is somebody either follows the law or they don't. And people know that you're not following the law and they compare themselves. I follow the law better than that person. It's mm. comparable. It's judgmental. It creates a judgmental heart. By the way, all of these apply to right now, too, because we can still live ourselves in the law as well. Because yeah. we as Christians find ourselves to be somewhat judgmental sometimes, you know? The law is comparable, judgmental, but Christ's love is selfless. The word selfless is somewhat obvious, but I wanted to say this, it's void of self. Jesus had no, I mean, like if you think about it, he goes, he's in the garden and he says, if there's any way you can take this cup from me, I, I would love that, you know, <laughs> paraphrased 100%, you know, I would love that. And what happens is, is that he doesn't get a response. It doesn't say that God said, no, you have to die. He didn't get a response. By the way, I don't know about any of you guys, but have you prayed to God and not had no and haven't had a response? Come on, yeah. raise your hand. Okay. Then you're not praying to God because he doesn't uh, give you a response half the time, I feel like. But anyway, God is somebody who's like, you know what? I need you to be in the waiting. I need you to sometimes make a decision on your own. And this is where Jesus is. He's, he's asking. He doesn't get a response that we know of. Um, and then he goes and dies for his sins anyway. He goes and gets whipped and beaten and all the things. Okay? It was void of self. He did not care about himself. He cared about everyone else. There was only one moment where it seemed like he might have cared for himself to some degree when he asked them. Ask God in the garden, but ultimately he's like, okay, there's nothing. Boom, let's go do it. Um, we need to live that way as well. Number three, the law is a reaction to lawlessness. 
It was a reaction. The law is a reaction. See, um, there's a lot of theology we can get into, but I'm not going to get into that. All I'm going to say is that Adam and Eve was created. They screwed up. Fast forward, we get to Noah, to Noah's time, and now it's literally lawlessness everywhere, and they're doing whatever they want. And then, you know, the basically, I guess the flood, okay? The flood happens, and they, you know, have to be cleansed, and, and a lot of people died, and they have a new line. And now Noah continues on with his family. And by the way, he ends up screwing up basically right away. And eventually, uh, they, you know, Moses happens and we end up getting the law and we get certain things and basically this reaction is okay I've got to keep I mean Jesus I do believe God knows everything from the beginning so I don't want to say that he was completely surprised oh my gosh they're horrible I don't think he was like that I think he knew but and so we like I said there's a lot of theology we could get into but I don't want to do that I just want to say that there is a reaction that okay lawlessness is killing my people they are killing each other they are hating themselves they are doing all the things they're not supposed to do. I need to put in a law and they need to follow this law because it's the only thing that's going to keep them alive and keep them from destroying each other to some degree. So there's a reaction that the law happens. But see, the law is a reaction to lawlessness. Christ's love was before time. It's not a reaction. He's not reacting because you screwed up. See, I don't know about you guys, but growing up, and it's nothing to do with my parents, but it has to do with just being a Christian, I feel like, as a kid and in high school and all that kind of stuff. Is every time I screwed up, I feel like I just royally ruined my life and I ruined God and I ruined – there's this guilt is my point. There's a guilt that happens when you screw up. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think that guilt can be – Healthy, okay. There can be a healthy way of feeling guilty because we have to realize that we're all guilty. That's why we need Jesus, all of that. But the reality is, is that Christ's love, Christ was always from the start. He was always going to come. It's not a reaction because you really messed it up for the rest of the world. And okay, now Jesus needs to come. That's not how it works. Jesus has always been the plan. It was always the plan, and it says that in John, the very first couple scriptures, um, and it's, you know, basically just in the beginning was the word, and the word was, you know, that, that whole thing. We're not going to read it right now. So, number four, the law is biased to whoever follows it. Christ's love is for all who desires it. There is no bias that that God creates. You know, he's not, he doesn't care um, about, obviously, the color of your skin, what language you, you speak. He doesn't care even about if you have screwed up your whole entire life and you literally say yes to Jesus on your deathbed. That's good enough. Now, if you did say yes to Jesus way earlier in your life, he also says you need to stay in the love of God. Yeah. And it takes work to stay in the love. Okay? So those are some things. There's a lot more that the law was and what Christ is and his love. Um, but I just wanted to give you that. Let's look at Romans. Um, and this is a lot of scripture. We're not going to like get into a lot of it. But I felt like reading all of it would be good. Um, okay. I'm going to read 8 through 10. To start out with, oh, no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another 
has fulfilled the law. That's interesting, mm, right? For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, or any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Mm. Love overcomes the law. But what's interesting is you don't see in this, in this bit of scripture yet, you don't see where it's like, well, Christ overcomes the law. It doesn't say that, it says love does. Mm. So even though this whole time I've been talking about how you need to be in love, the only way you can wield love is to be in God and all that stuff right here, it's saying the love, love actually, you know, does it. But can our love overcome the law? By itself, are we able to truly do it? Let's read on. Uh, 13, 11 through 14, we'll read. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. Uh, by the way, this is all for the second coming of Christ. This is all another reason why we celebrate Advent, because we are waiting for that. Yeah. Right? So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So how does love overcome the law? Because we put on Lord Jesus Christ on us and that's how it happens. The only way it happens is by us having him on us. It's good. And in us. By the way, a few of those things where it says, you know, orgies, drunkenness, not in sexual immorality. These are pictures of what the, the world's version of love, love of pleasure, love of self. I don't know about you guys, but everything that we're seeing in the world is not brand new. It's not, oh, we live in 2022. It's so, our context is so different. Honestly, it's not that different. It's been happening forever. And trust me, I don't think we've even remotely experienced what they've experienced pre-Noah. But seriously, I don't think that is way worse than anything we've ever experienced so far. You need to keep yourself in the love of God, which is embodied in Christ Jesus in order to wait in love. You need to keep yourself. You need to remain in the love of God, which is embodied in Christ Jesus in order to wait in love. And so real fast, I have one minute. So I'm going to do this. Waiting. This is a fun thing. This is a, a why do we say waiting? Um, I speak Italian, by the way, and this would work with Spanish and probably a lot of other Latin languages because it's a Latin word. Um, there's a word that says aspettare, okay? I don't remember what it is in Latin, but it is basically the same thing. Aspettaros or something like that, okay? It actually does not, waiting does not actually, it's not specifically the word waiting. The better way to translate this thing is going to be expecting or hope for. We are not waiting in love, but we are expecting in love. There's a difference between expecting and waiting. The difference is, is that when you expect something, you, 
it comes from a place of true faith that you it's going to happen. You expect it to happen. Really it's good. not a waiting and you're kind of like, I don't know if he's ever going to come. <laughs> uh, but how many believers have you met that have been like that? Yeah. They're like, I don't know if he's ever going to come. I'm just going to live my life the way I want to, whatever, you know, and that's how the world lives right now in a lot of ways. There's a lot of people who are believers or or seat warmers, as I heard somebody share earlier today, they're seat warmers and they're like, yeah, I mean, this seems like a pretty good kumbaya thing to do to show up to church and, you know, whatever. And uh, I'm just going to be there. But, um, you know, whatever. I don't know if God's going to come. I don't know if Jesus is going to do anything. I don't know anything. I'm just waiting for something to happen. But expecting something means that you have a true faith that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the words, the mercy of our Lord Jesus that leads to eternal life. Advent is not just a waiting for Emmanuel, but it's also the same posture we need to have for the second coming. So really just, you know, one thing that's really, really fun for me, you know, just to kind of sum everything up is I like looking at the word Advent, okay? Because again, this is one of those language words that we don't really use in, you know, in, in our modern English, really, other than for church. That's the only time we ever use it. But what's cool, I don't know if you guys have ever known this, but the actual word Advent is connected semantically to adventure. Mm-hmm. It is, it actually, so it's adventure roots mean about to happen. So there's an expectation, there's an excitement. When you go on an adventure, you are going, you're, you're doing something with this expectation of something awesome is going to happen and you can't wait for it to happen. You're like, you're excited for it. And uh, I just want you guys to like keep that in mind that we do not live in a time where the law is upon us, but we live around the world and we see all of this stuff happening around us and we get to be if we're going to look at hope, peace, joy, and love, we get to be the hope bringers of this world. Yeah. We get to be the joy bringers of this world. We get to be peace bringers of this world. And we get to be love bringers to this world. That is when we're waiting, we are expecting God to come. And since we live in expectance, we do these things because that is an expression of the church, an expression of Jesus. And so it should be an adventure. you know. And one last bit is that um, just, uh, last week he taught on joy And he, he mentioned some of this But I want you to know that 95% I'm throwing out percentage But we're talking about 90 to 95 to 98% I think there's only one or two times Where the word joy does not mean Synonymously happiness And I think as believers We're afraid to say I want to be happy God wants me to be happy Guess what? God does want you to be happy, 100%. Why not? Now, he doesn't want you to fulfill your flesh to create that happiness because that's incorrect happiness. That's a different version of happiness, just like a different version of love. But he wants you to be happy. And so I just want you to think through that. We get to adventure with God. We get to experience this adventure of being a part of the church. And uh, we get to do this right now. Um, And I, I... exciting for me to, to move here and to get going um, with you guys and be a part of this because I think you guys already do a lot of the mission piece that I love and I've longed for. But I want you guys to be joyful and happy yeah. in it. I want this to be fun. I want this to be an adventure that we get to do and not a grudging like, oh, 
Yeah. Okay, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Um, because I'll tell you what, the last two months, I've felt that way, and it's wrong, and it's brought me down in the dumps. And the more I bring joy and happiness in my life, and I say, God, give me the peace and joy beyond understanding, my life, my, my purpose changes. Everything changes. So uh, let's pray. Let's thank the Lord. God, we love you. We do want this to be an adventure, whatever... Um, adventure you have for us Adventures are going to have ups and downs And it's going to have um, Potholes and it's going to have um, Broken legs And it's going to have all kinds of things It's not going to be always um, You know the, the definition of the world's Happiness or, or fun But God uh, being in an Adventure means that we have something To look forward to and we get to see people say yes to you, and that is joy. It even says that angels celebrate when that happens. I pray, God, that we will celebrate internally and externally when people come to you in this time of mission. We love you. Amen.